Hi there. You've tuned in to The Volta Way. I'm your host, Lois Volta, broadcasting from the studio at G-Town Radio. If you're tuned in on your dial, you're listening to Germantown Community Radio at WGGTLP 92.9 FM, Philadelphia. And if you're streaming, you can find me at gtownradio.com. This is a show about how the way we live in our home is important. Do we operate our homes autocratically, or do we care for them in a socially conscious, ethically minded, and holistic way? Gender equality, awareness of environmental concerns, respect for diversity, and the value of work. These things must be taught, learned, and applied in the home. Awareness of our tangible domestic reality can serve as a teacher and guide for deeper states of consciousness and societal healing. How engaged are we? And how willing are we to be the change we want to see? I'm taking calls through the hour, and you can also send me a message through the VoltAway Facebook page, at the VoltAway. I'm here to talk, discuss, and sift through the clutter in our homes and minds and clear out the spiritual cobwebs that have been left for way too long. I'm glad you've tuned in. Welcome. I'm so thankful to be with you. Hi, Germantown. How are you today? Um, and all those who are streaming online and listening later, hi, 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 hi. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I am really looking forward to this conversation today. Today I have on the show Heidi Barr. Welcome, Heidi. Uh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Heidi owns this beautiful, beautiful company called the Kitchen Garden Series. And I love even just where it's like the tagline of your company, beautiful, sustainable, practical. Love it. Can you tell us a little bit about your company? Uh, sure. I'd love to. Um so the Kitchen Garden series started as a uh, as an idea, just like businesses do, um, and it was an idea that grew out of time that I spent um, working in the field at um, my local uh, CSA farm, the Weaver's Way Farm. Um, I'm a textile artist, and I saw I was at the time costume designing and was feeling very disillusioned with the waste that's produced in that field. And so when I encountered this magical urban farm, I wanted to think of a way to apply my talents to support them. So I started making napkins out of the backs of shirts and donating some of the proceeds to the farm. So and you were, you were, taking found shirts or upcycling or however recycling shirts and making these napkins yep absolutely. and the proceeds went to the farm that's beautiful yeah it was uh so the idea was you know to somehow as a textile artist support um agriculture in my community mm-hmm and it's now it's evolved. Now I have a full line of kitchen textiles, everything from reusable coffee filters to produce bags to aprons. Um, I still donate back to that same farm and another group of growers in Philadelphia, the East Park Revitalization Alliance. And um, I have really 
focused on helping people to transition to a more beautiful, sustainable and practical life in their kitchen. So I like to say I work at the intersection of food and fabric. Yeah, I love that. I love how um, I love how you said on your website, there's a video on your website is that you look in your refrigerator and it's filled with fabric. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's a uh, yeah, it's I've given up plastic. So my mom teases me. She goes, I always feel guilty when I send you a treat in a plastic bag. And, and I'm like, well, you should, but you know, <laughs> but it's okay. Everybody can get there. <laughs> it's a process. What, what really got you from working with the, uh, so you were doing the uh, co-op hours at Henry's Got Crops with Weaver's Way? Yeah. And so then you got into, like, so you, were a textiles major, so you were already into fabric and textiles, and then was learning and working in the ground, something that was also part of your life, or did you kind of have that seed be planted while you were working there? Um, it's always been a part of my life. My mother grew up on a farm, um, so I'm a one generation removed farmer, um, mm -hmm. right? So. I was never on the farm, but she, we always had a garden in our backyard. I grew up knowing where my food came from, but mm -hmm. it came out of the ground and mm -hmm. not from the grocery store. So I had that connection. Um, and this, I had become very urbanized and very sort of removed from that agricultural personal history. And when I discovered this you know, these urban, there's a lot of urban farmers in Philadelphia. It's incredible here. Mm -hmm. it's, and when I discovered that, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can be a total city girl mm -hmm. and still have my hands in the dirt and eat yeah. food that's grown a mile from my house. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in Portland, Oregon, right? I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Oh, Eugene, Oregon. That's yeah. right. So mm -hmm. what brought you to Philly? Um, my joke is always temporary insanity. Um, <laughs> I had, um, I was, going through some major life changes. And my sister was living here at the time. Um, she had moved here for a job after school. And so I just came to live in the same town that she lived in. And yeah, that's beautiful. Totally fell in love with it here. I love Philly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. So, um, so you had the idea for making these sustain this business by sewing napkins, giving the proceeds to the farm, but what kind of got you started to start making these things to sell on your own? Um, well, I got a lot of love at the very beginning. Like a lot of people were like, this is so cool. I love what you're doing. And um, it was, just like all that really positive feedback from the community made me just sort of keep going. And before I knew it, um, it had gotten to be more than a hobby. You know, it had gotten pretty big. Mm -hmm. And um, I announced a year off from costume design and I just never looked back. Mm -hmm. um, I found that I was creating something I felt good about. I was learning a ton along the way. I was meeting other business people who were working at a similar scale and had similar ethics. Um, I was getting connected with more and more people that were growing food. I started connecting with chefs. Everything started tasting better. I mean, I just, there was no reason to turn back. 
So. Yeah, things just kind of fall into place like that when you're just putting one foot in front of the other, but it always seems like the direction that you're supposed to go. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I, I received a lot of um, encouragement like that from my, well, when I had the cleaning business, when I started, it was just me hustling, doing a single mama, cleaning houses, and it's what I did to make money. And it was support of my friends and my family saying, you know, if you're going to do it, you might as well just do it. You're already doing it. So if you're going to do it, do it right. And then every time I made a step in the direction of setting something up or, you know, like um, figuring out, um, you know, like just getting my LLC or looking into workman's comp and getting a payroll company, like every step along the way kind of like made way for just what was going to be, was going to be. And even now through COVID and not having the cleaning business anymore, it still all seems like all doors have opened the way that they should open. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. COVID has been quite an experience. Um, and also like this year starting this spring like in april so right after the shutdown like opened this whole other door for me of like now i am um, partnering with emma kuniff at knee farm out in pottstown and we have grown our first crop of flax for linen that's amazing so i feel like i've really taken it um like I just was curious every step of the way until I've taken it all the way back to like the ultimate sustainable textile, right? Like this crop that is uh, can be part of a diversified regenerative farm. Yeah, um, it's just mind-boggling, actually. How, how big? How big is the field in Pottstown? Uh, it's very small. It's an eighth of an acre, mm -hmm. um, and we, I mean, Emma and I met to discussed doing a natural dye project together. And then we just ended up deciding to plant this eighth of an acre as a sort of why not yeah. project. So are the plans to process the flax? There, there are, it's very complicated. Uh, the short answer is yes, there are plans to process the flax. Um, it's a very arduous process. Um, I have a woodworker right now who's working on building me the traditional colonial era tools to do it with. Um, and a spinner from Connecticut reached out to me about spinning it um, when it's ready for that. Can you explain to the listeners who might not know uh, flax and what flax becomes and what flax looks like? Can you tell us a little bit about flax? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I love that we're talking on Germantown radio about flax because flax was brought to Germantown by the Germans that settled here in six, in the 1690s. And in the uh, Germantown seal, one of the things, there are three things that appear in it. And one of them is a flax flower. I did not know that. That's so neat. Um, yeah. So probably, you know, right where we're sitting was a flax farm at some time yeah so uh, flax is the plant that is grown and processed into the fiber that we know is linen it's one of the oldest known fibers to man it's there's evidence of flax 
fabric as far back as um, 37,000 years ago, um, mostly in Eurasia. Um, it's been cultivated in Europe since the Middle Ages and in the United States since the 17th century. Um, the plant is so easy to grow. It's beautiful and it's seductive because you scatter the seeds on the ground and then you really don't have to do anything else. Like we weeded it one time, we didn't water, we, um, you know, we just waited for it to grow. It's, it's a fast growing crop. It's a hundred days from planting it to harvesting it. It's beautiful. It has gets these beautiful blue flowers on it at about 30 or 40 days after planting. And um, then, then it turns golden before it's harvested. Um, harvesting is very, very hard work. <laughs> like as easy as it is to grow, it is that hard to harvest, um, backbreaking. Um, but you have to pull it up by the root to harvest it. Um, so things that are good about it in a diversified farm is it, you, you plant it densely, so it's a weed suppressant. It's a fast mature crop, so it goes into a crop rotation nicely. And when you pull it, it leaves a clean field for planting whatever you're planting next. Oh, that's great. And can you, and you can pull, do you have to dig it up or can you just pull it? You can just pull it. Um, it's hard. It, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it comes out of the ground pretty easily, but if you think like each plant is like the thickness of, uh, you know, really three or four blades of grass, it's not very thick. So mm -hmm. if you think about pulling out an eighth of an acre of that, that's all, it's a lot. Yeah. So then once the flax comes out, then there's like a whole process that goes through. So you have these like flower, it's like basically like a long grass looking. It is and you pull it out and then what do you like kind of like there's a beat like you beat it there's like a process of beating it or a, how how does it work mm -hmm. i think i've like watched a couple of videos about how to make linen well yeah you you pull it out you um red it which means that you leave it lay on the ground you let the natural moisture rot it separates the pectins from the mm -hmm. fiber that's going to be used for fabric so you red it and then you break it, scotch it and hackle it, which means you, um, you literally break it. You use a wooden tool to beat it and it breaks the woody core of the plant away from the fibers on the outside, which will become fabric. Mm -hmm. And then sketching is just um, calming away the rest of that woody core. And then hackling is combing it um, basically over a bed of nails, mm -hmm. <laughs> comb it to make it, uh, to organize the fibers and make them smooth. And then from there you, you'd find the spinner and the spinner would spin it into thread. You spin it and then you weave it. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, so back in the day, you had to work really hard to get um, some clothes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's probably flax fields everywhere. Yep. Um, traditionally in this area, every family grew a half of an acre. Um, as part of their crop rotation to provide um, textiles for their family. That's amazing. So does Henry got does Henry got crops have any flax on their property? No, I was um, I was going to plant with them this year, but I 
opted to plant with Emma instead because mm-hmm. she has more space. Um, yeah. And Henry got crops as, you know, they, they are a CSA that's feeding 150,000 yeah. now. So. They're doing great things. Yeah. yeah. Things. So before COVID, tell me a little bit about your business before COVID and kind of how it's morphed a mm-hmm. little bit post COVID. Um, so before COVID, I had, um, you know, four different ways that I offered my products. I did um, wholesale to um, brick and mortar stores, like little boutiques um, in Philadelphia and the surrounding areas. I had um, my online store and um, I did a lot of live events. I went to a lot of markets, both makers Mm -hmm. markets and farmers markets where um, I would you know, sell my wares and meet people and have these conversations. Um, and then um, I also started just over a year ago, well, a year and a half now, I started my first um, rental of napkins to a restaurant. Oh, yeah. So would you launder them too? I have a laundry service that I work with who uh-huh. launders them. Um, yeah. And that was my that is where I was planning my biggest growth this year. Um, yeah. COVID put a little hiccup in that plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it seems like wh- looking back on it, is that still a direction that you'd want to go in or are you happy with the direction that you're finding yourself sailing through? Um, I, the, I definitely do want to um, grow the restaurant rentals. Um, I'm, have sort of pushed it out until next spring. Um, happily, the three restaurants that I rent to have all so far survived. Everyone should go eat there. <laughs> restaurants. Um, yeah, my first restaurant was Moosey Philly, um, who they're in South Philly, and they've made a really great pivot around COVID. They have started um, really building their um, Friswit. Um, brand so they do a really delicious all local cheesesteak and they're doing it for takeout and then they're still doing some um, dinner dining at their outdoor tables and um, for private events but it's very limited and they're very uh, you know they're super responsible and safe and um, I really are doing it right Um, so it's Moosey and then um, River Twice which is um, just turned one year old um, there on East Pashyunk. And um, they had just reopened for outdoor dining and also for takeout. And then um, Cadence Restaurant, which is on Girard Avenue. And um, they most are the most recently just reopened. Like they just reopened a couple weeks ago um, for dining. So all three of them have survived, which makes me happy because I can eat there and um, I'm, you know, they've been great with me and sort of t- testing this out. Um, I feel like uh, for the business and for the uh, the notion of sustainability, the rentals to restaurants is uh, where my largest positive environmental impact lies because it's a very large scale um, possibility for replacing a lot of synthetic napkins that get washed and slough microplastics into the water stream. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so it's still definitely on the table. Um, but in the shorter term now, you know, my entire focus is on um, growing my online business. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to your online business, can you talk a little bit about those microfibers in the water and what that does? Sure. Um, so all synthetic fabrics. So that includes um, polyester, polar fleece, um, microfiber. It goes by a lot of different names, but anything that's not cotton, linen, wool, I'm sure I'm leaving something out, but anything that's not a natural fiber is a petroleum product. So it's hemp, hemp right? Hemp is another good natural fiber. Yeah. Um, we could have a long conversation about that and its intersection with flax. But all of those synthetic fibers are plastic. They're spun polymers. So they're made out of um, fossil fuels. Um, so in the manufacture of it is environmental degradation. And then once they become clothing, when you wash them in the washing machine, the water that drains out of your washing machine then has is polluted with um, microfibers. So it's tiny, tiny microscopic bits of plastic that slough off of the fabric as it, as it degrades. And that goes into the water stream and it's extremely difficult to mitigate that kind of pollution. It's hard to get back out of the water because it's so tiny. Mm -hmm. um, I think the San Francisco Bay area tested a, a portion of the bay for the prevalence of microfibers. And it was like upwards of 80% of the water had these plastic Whoa. microfibers in it. Yeah, and so then this gets filtered into our drinking water? It's it has to goes into all it goes into the rivers and the streams and the ocean it goes in it ends up in our drinking water it ends up in the seafood that we eat any marine life ingests it and it also there is now research being done that it's actually being taken up into plants through water so it's starting to appear in our plant life it's a huge environmental problem yeah. uh, you know it's a very good argument for um, purchasing natural fibers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually one thing that I do for clients of mine when I'm helping them, if they have a lot of clothes in their closets, cause I help people, you know, get, you know, get right. rid of stuff in their closets. And sometimes when people have a lot of clothing, sometimes mm -hmm. I just say stick with natural fibers. Right. Like just get yourself used to Mm -hmm. having a different feel on your body to um, not purchasing. Like if you, if you start down the natural fibers road, it's a, it's a nice road to go down. Um, not right. only for how it feels on your body, but for what it's doing to the water. Right. And, and that's a really good point, but it is a nice road to go down. It feels luxurious, even though it's not right. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, it's, it's healthier, you know, so in throughout your day, I think that's a, I really, with my products, like I really live with my products and I feel like um, in my kitchen and in my dining room, everything is linen. And when I touch it, it feels good. And so if I wipe my mouth, it feels good. It's nice to wrap it around my food. It feels a little bit more luxurious, um, mm -hmm. even though it's this incredibly practical fabric. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, so it's a, it's a nice combination. Um, and even with things like linen and wool and cotton, it's like they're a little bit warmer or a little bit cooler. <laughs> Absolutely. Really good. For whatever the season is, it just always seems better. Right, because they breathe like, yeah. like our skin does, right? Um, and, you know, the other thing is that when they, when you're done with them, you know, if it's a polyester fabric, if it's a spun polymer, it, it, it persists indefinitely in the environment. If it's a natural fiber, you can put it in the compost pile. It can go back on the field where you either pasture or grow the fiber again, right? So yeah. it's truly regenerative. And, um, you know, I think that needs to be our thinking. Um, we need to think about how we can engage in activities and own products that can be part of regenerative systems. So having restaurants, so restaurants are starting to get these sustainable fabrics in for napkins because they use so many. Right. It's amazing that they can team up with a local business like you that can bring them, launder them naturally, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. and uh, pump them back to them. That's amazing. More restaurants should do that. If you own a restaurant out there, do it. <laughs> do that. Heidi. Do that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I'm, I'm very optimistic about that. And, you know, that, like I said, that's really a direction I, I want to go. I think it's, um, you know, it's win-win. So they're getting from me, they're getting the napkins for their tables. They're also getting single use reusable hand towels for their bathrooms. So little linen, instead of paper towels, um, you just, they just have a dispenser. You pull one out, you dry your hands and you drop it instead of a garbage can, you drop it into a laundry basket. Oh, that's amazing. I love this idea. And is this all just coming from remnants that you're... I'm, I've sourced yardage for the restaurants because it's such a high volume. Yeah, um, I love this. And then you just kind of, uh, do you like surge the edges or you fold them all in? I just surge the edges on the hand towels. They're like super simple. And um, you'll like this. As somebody who has a cleaning business. Um, I, so the other thing that I started doing is as the napkins get stained and can't be used in the dining room any longer, I rotate them in for kitchen rags. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right. then are, do you, are you sell, and then you sell the cleaning rags on your website too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So then do you launder kitchen rags for the restaurant as well? I do. Yeah. So everything's included. So Moosey is now 100% my linens. So they use the, my napkins, they use the um, hand towels in the bathroom, they get all their kitchen rags and I do their aprons. And then they purchase mop heads and floor mats and my laundry service does those for them as yeah. well. So yeah, they're 100% sustainable. Um, which is, you know, like Ari, Ari Miller is the chef there. And his, when we first met, you know, and he was like, this is, what are you doing here? This is amazing. And I said, well, you know, fabric is a crop, just like the food on your table. Mm -hmm. Right. And he just like went, oh my God, we need, how do you feel about restaurants? <laughs> you know, it's like, um, but I love that in a restaurant that is focused on, you know, locally sourced food and sustainably farmed, ethically raised animals, all of that is part of their ethos. 
and to be able to extend that all the way through to you know all of the textiles in their business is just really it's pretty sweet it's very special yeah, yeah. so that was the direction that you're still going to head it just got slowed a little bit uh, so what happened with COVID? So I guess everything kind of went online, but it seems like you're, I mean, if you haven't checked out Heidi's store yet, you can go to her website. It's www.thekitchenseries.com. Mm -hmm. Your website is beautiful, Heidi. Oh, thank you. I just, I love it. And I, I've actually just like, you know, have had the tab open for the last couple of days, just like getting ready to talk with you. And just every time I kind of bounce over to the website, just, hmm, just makes me feel good. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, it's, not, it's nice to hear that it resonates. Um, you know, it's a lot of labor. It's a, and it's a labor of love, but it's also very time consuming. So it's always really nice to hear somebody say it resonates with them. Um, yeah, I, I have continued to grow through this period of COVID miraculously and in huge thank yous and gratitude to everybody who's shopped with me and also all of the people who have collaborated with me. Um, I added Volta Naturals cleaning products as part of my offerings along with my cleaning uh, cloths. Um, and I've gotten a great response with that. Um, I brought on Bellum Street Soap Company's laundry soap that she developed for me. All of these things were added right after the shutdown. And it's been really wonderful to just be able to work with like-minded businesswomen and offer something new to our community and get a good response in this time of just extreme uncertainty for a small business. Um, so, and I also the growing of the flax has all happened since um, the initial shutdown and COVID-19. So some real optimism going on in the business. Um, cautious, I'm cautious, <laughs> but optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, I like that kind of, uh, you were saying that to me earlier, you're cautiously optimistic, but a lot of that is you just have to believe that it's going to work and you have to believe in yourself and what are the alternatives? Right. Yeah. Not, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, where did that leave you? You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, you have to, we have to believe in ourselves where as business women, that we have to stick together and we have to believe in ourselves and, and be generously supporting one another to succeed. Um, I mean, one thing that's really evident in the current climate is business climate and political climate, economic climate is that things are unraveling and, you know, that's fine. We need to be ready to step up and replace those unraveled things with something that is better. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's, you know, that's what I'm working toward and that's what you're working toward and that's what the people I collaborate work toward. Um, well, that, and that's also, the, that mentality gives me, um, it gives me pause and it gives me, gives me hope because if I look at everything and I feel, I feel very helpless, there's mm -hmm. nothing much I can do. And there's, and, um, you know, I write about this a lot too. It's just like, can one person actually change anything? I'm not quite sure what, you know, people can vote 
for people, mm-hmm. that one person who can change everything, but it's a little daunting to uh, feel like you have to change everything about your life to really feel like you can make a difference. Mm. And it's given me this newer sense of, I, I, I don't want to say importance, but maybe more just drive or calling or what, whatever it might be. Just let me just stay in my lane for a minute. And like, this is, this is where, this is where my life has brought me. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I talk about. And this is how I want to see things get better. And the, as I keep cruising, I find people like you, or, uh, you know, I find, I find these like other people who are like doing the same thing. They're just like, what can we bring that's creative that'll move things forward in a positive direction? Cause I can't move everything because it feels so I'll get, I get really depressed thinking about how I can't move things or, you know, I can't control things and I can only change the things that I can can change, but it doesn't seem like a whole lot in a world that's Mm-hmm. Un, un, uncertain and in turmoil. Uh, yeah, I I relate to that. Um, uh, yeah, I would say on a good day I'm optimistic, and on a bad day I'm despondent. Um, <laughs> I think that what that our for each of us and each of everybody who's listening for each individual that our personal actions they do affect things our personal actions change things and our personal actions combined create movements mm-hmm. and movements change big things, you know? Mm-hmm. It, so I feel one of the things that I discovered when I started this business is I discovered a movement that I want to be a part of. Yeah. Right. I discovered a movement of like-minded business people, like-minded consumers who wanted to make positive impacts for each other in their businesses, in their lives and, and for the planet. Right. And that's really exciting. <laughs> like, you know, I'm willing to get up every day and work really hard for very little money for that. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And that, and that's kind of like, that's, that's where it gets you too. Right. So it's like, especially during COVID I've been working nonstop working nonstop and it's all a lot in in vision and um planning and paving the road that I'm gonna go down but there's not there's you know um when I built my my cleaning business I kept feeling like all right it's gonna take four or five years to turn a profit and that's just how it's gonna go just keep on going every business when you first start takes you know, a long time to really make profit and then COVID hit and then everything stops. You have to like, am I starting again? I'm working my butt off here. Mm -hmm. Like it gives me so, uh, it gives me a different sense of gratitude, um, that we are okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that we are okay during this time. I feel like I had to grieve all that hard work from before and just be okay with that, that this is the way that things are happening. Just accept reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, reality. There's this other part of me that I feels like, well, what is important to me? And now more than even, even a month or two ago, what is actually important to me? And it is to build something bigger than myself. And um, yes, I want, I, it'd be nice if the, if things 
we're raking in more money at the moment, but we're also in the planning phases where, and collectively, mm -hmm. you know, this post, this post COVID, you know, women in business, I hear a lot of women saying similar things that we just need to work toward the bigger goal. And then hopefully collectively we'll be able to stand together in power. Yeah. Um, I love that vision. <laughs> um, it's not easy. Business is not for the faint of heart. Um, it's, it's hard. Um, and I think, uh, like since COVID, I feel like the, the place where I sort of am putting most of my personal energy is into, um, sharing ideas. Uh, um, and I think that's at the, I mean, that is at the core of my business, right? I, I say to people, you know, when they're like, well, what do you do? I say, I'm an environmentalist, right? I have the curse of working in textiles, which is a prime example of an industry which is exploits both human labor and the environment on a global scale. <laughs> so, so I have this huge challenge as an environmentalist to apply my beliefs and my ideas to my what I'm talented in. Right. And that is a business about ideas, right? It's a business about um, sharing ideas of sustainability and exploring the possibility of uh, my industry being part of a regenerative system. And ideas are hard to get paid for, but again, they create movements. So um, hopefully, what we value will start to change as we have a deeper understanding of the impact of what we consume. Yeah. Do you feel like um, uh, within the business that you do have that when you describe things like um, it just feels a little bit more luxurious mm -hmm. to experience these fibers and um, like, I know for me sometimes, um, you know, I'm doing all this work and still not, you know, not really reaping the fruits of my labor yet. Um, but sometimes when I look around, I feel this sense of luxury because mm -hmm. my house is put together. Mm -hmm. Everything's in its right place. It looks clean. It looks nice. It feels like my definition of luxury has changed to suit what I, what's important to me. Right. Um, and I see that and I kind of hear this in in what you're saying too it's like all right we put in all this work but we also are surrounded with like you know I, I can go outside and eat like a tomato that I just grew and like the fleet like just slowing everything down to like rethink what joy is and being in the moment and um what's important right yeah also just um Luxury is such an interesting word. To um, the mundane can be luxurious, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, the first cup of coffee in the morning in your favorite mug. Like, right. I mean, so in the process of growing this business, I, without full intention, I have reached a place in my house. Like, so for instance, when I sit down to eat a meal, I can name the people the individuals who produced all of the food that go into it mm -hmm. and the individuals who made the cups and the plates that i'm eating off of right 
And that is a luxury that makes me smile. And that makes me feel very fancy and high end. (laughs) Everything's super custom, you know? Um, But it's not, um, I haven't blown my budget. I I don't, you know, I didn't start making more money. I'm not wearing diamonds. I don't have that kind of luxury. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just redefined it. Um, But I think that's also a lot of what a business like yours does. It's like, beautiful, sustainable, practical, right. and the things that you're going to use every day in a very practical way right. and to be able to enjoy that beauty and the peace of mind, knowing that those small little changes that we make create a sustainable future. Right. And then, and that things are, things can be beautiful and they can be practical. They can be durable. People will say to me, I mean, this is a common, so a lot of discussion around sustainable brands is about accessibility due to price points and people, and I get that. I totally get like, I do not have a lot of money. I get that. It's hard to pay what seems like a lot of money for something that you could get for a lot less at places I shall not name. Um, (laughs) But um, the reality is that if you buy something that is made out of good materials and it's well made you'll have it forever it is actually financially practical Mm -hmm. Um, you just have to make that decision on the front end Um, and it feels really nice like I am using things I test my own products so I'm using linen produce storage bags that were from my very first experiment with them I think four or five years ago when I rolled out the design and I can't wear them out. I'm, I'm like, okay, like this one's got a little schmutz on it, mm-hmm. but it's not worn out mm-hmm. and it's just not going anywhere. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's something about that. Like that was something I learned growing up. Um, both of my parents really instilled in me, you know, buy nice things and take care of them and you'll have them forever. Mm-hmm. I'd like to try some of your cleaning rags. I use a cotton, like a hundred percent cotton rag, but they don't, they get holes in them like that. I mean, really they'll like a, a, from start to finish, it'll probably last a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll have to say at least the way that I clean. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a, there's a, I'll have to send you some, um, linen is durable because it has such a long fiber. Um, anyway, and what happens with my cleaning cloths is that, um, it takes the first few uses for them to feel um, like perfectly broken in. They they get a certain softness after Mm -hmm. the first, I don't know, four or five washes. And then they just keep going, you know? Yeah. I tested them out with, um, with Moosey in the kitchen at Moosey. And I think they started using them in the kitchen maybe eight months ago. Well, Eight, eight months ago was like the shutdown. I don't know. It's all the same day. <laughs> Weird time warp. <laughs> They've been using them for a while and they still love them and none of them have come back with holes in them yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Do you feel like the, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what we talked about earlier today. Um, just 
with the amount of change that's happened with COVID and how, you know, like our minds get all jumbled up even for our, the time, because it seems like it's been forever or it seems like it hasn't been forever. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's like, depends on the day. It's like, will this ever end? I can't do this anymore. Ah. Um, but there's been so much change. Mm-hmm. There's been so much change in such a small amount of time. And there was something that you said earlier about how that pressure kind of pushes us into this new state of being. And as a business woman, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. Right. Uh, yes, it is so, it's so true. Um, there's a, an incredible amount of pressure to pivot and adapt and, and change like right now in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, both as an individual and as a business, right? Yeah. Um, and for me, that kind of pressure, although you know it's not all positive, but the positive of that kind of pressure for me is as a creative, it pushes me into a sort of heightened creative state mm-hmm. um, where I am um, sort of frantically doing creative problem solving. And I get a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. So it, in a way, it's been really exciting. Um, it, it's helped me frame the way I think about my work. Um, I really poured a lot of this into my blog posts. Um, and I would invite people to read them and comment on them and engage in conversation with me about some of the ways I've been thinking about things. Where can people find that? Um, on my website at thekitchengardenseries.com. Um, at the drop-down drop menu, you just go to blogs. Um, and there's a lot, a lot on there. I've been writing a lot since COVID started um, and it just exploring, uh, you know, how I can change and what's important about my work um, so that I, that pressure can be really motivating. Um, yeah. I found right when COVID hit, I felt like a lot of my creativity came to a halt mm. because a lot of the things that were giving me creative energy were no longer giving me creative energy anymore. And even something as simple as um, like a potluck with my staff where we could just hang out and be and eat together and talk about recipes or whatever. Like that to me was very life-giving even to my sense of foster community, be here for, be here for the people in my life. How can I create home as a safe place by having people come in and it really fueled so much of my creativity and then that just being completely cut off mm-hmm. but and then even with like just the business changing the way it did all my creativity kind of came to a screeching halt and it really sent me down I felt re- I was in a dark spot and it's kind of interesting how the pressure then it builds back up because I'm not using my creativity. I'm not doing anything with it. Um, and it's just kind of like, yeah, kind of creates this like vacuum of creative energy that when you allow yourself to use it, which is really kind of what you were saying, just when you allow yourself to believe in yourself really, and you believe in that creative energy. Yeah. I feel like that pressure has just kind of launched me forward and I don't really know where I'm going, but it feels good, I guess. You know? Right. Yeah. 
Right. You remind reminding me of so many things, but I, so I think that that whole feeling of being like stopped, <laughs> you know, like just brought to a complete halt and that like sort of anxiety that that produces. Um, and then that like bursting forth, um, this sort of just encapsulates the whole growing of this flax crop for me, because so mm -hmm. Like Emma and I had our first meeting at the beginning of March when we were saying, oh, COVID, is that, whatever, it's not gonna be any worse than the seasonal flu, right? And then within a couple of weeks, you know, we were stopped, but we made this decision to go forward with this really optimistic project that literally involved throwing seeds on the ground and watching them grow. So it was literally that energy you're talking about. Um, and, and then, with this end goal of turning it into fabric, which we definitely haven't achieved yet and has taken me on many various paths I didn't anticipate. Um, but that's creativity, right? And being open to that. And even when things are at their darkest, because I'm with you, like those first couple of weeks, like I was like, Lord, I'm going to go out of business. All that work I've done has been for naught. Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, how am I going to get up tomorrow? Mm -hmm. um, but just pushing through that and being open to where it might lead me really um, presented a lot of opportunities I would have missed. They never would have existed if it weren't for this yeah. crazy circumstance. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's kind of interesting for, and, and maybe I, I'm saying this completely unaware of even the privilege that I have to be able to say that, because I know there's so many people who are struggling in different ways. Absolutely. I mean, I am very, very lucky that I have not worried about putting food on my table, nor keeping a roof over my head, right? Um, and I am not sick, and I have not lost anyone I love to this mm -hmm. disease. And mm -hmm. I 100% recognize that... Um, there are people in all of those circumstances as close as across the street every day. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it's my hope um, that my work in the end will help make life better for all of us. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel similar. I feel like I haven't lost anyone uh, for COVID and I feel like it is, there's, there's so much uncertainty that makes me very nervous just mm -hmm. about what the future is going to look like. But it also is like, I'm not dealing with that right now. So what am I going to do? It better matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of like lights a little bit like, so what are you going to do with this time mm -hmm. and space that you have? Are you going to binge on something, whatever that something might be? Or are you going to, are you going to like open up the computer and start writing? or just right. do the things that you have to do. just make a checklist for yourself boop, 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 boop. Uh, especially when you don't feel motivated because that's for me that kind of that can be very difficult but when I am not moving towards the goal I feel like I'm just squandering the gift that I have been giving to be fortunate I don't take it for granted no Right. And I think that, uh, I mean, I know for myself that there's a certain sense of urgency that has come yeah. with, um, with the pandemic and also with the current political situation and with the current economic situation. There's this sense of urgency for me that like, if not now, when, right? 
you know, climate change is real. It's happening. It's, it's affecting us more and more. Um, the pandemic is a part of that. Um, I, I want to affect positive change in my community so that people suffer less. Um, and so that not people suffer less too. Like I'm, I, you know, this morning I looked out my window and there was a, a flicker, which is a kind of fairly large woodpecker with a, with a chick, you know? And I was like, that's so cool. I want there to be an environment where these birds can live close to me, uh, you know? And, and so I, I, there's a definitely a sense of urgency of like, things have gotten pretty bad, let's be real. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. it's time to like pony up, roll up the sleeves and, you know, make the sustainability thing work. <laughs> yeah, I think it can be very intimidating for people to kind of walk through that new door of like, all right, my choices affect things. My choices affect the big picture. And I think a lot of people have a hard time walking through the door because they give themselves this all or nothing thing. And if they, you know, like they're setting themselves up for failure, but really starting with some napkins and some like just any little step we have to trust that every step is a step in the in a positive direction. Absolutely. I, I like to say, you know, you just chip away at it. I started just chipping away at it like eight years ago. And now I don't have any plastic in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, it took a long time. You just start chipping away at it. You, if you start thinking about it pretty soon, it just changes the way that you think about things and the way you interact with material, the material world. And um, it's a, it's kind of fun, it, mm -hmm. you know. You just follow your curiosity, and um, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I think people sometimes forget that their tangible reality in their homes is a product of their choices. Right. Even okay. when it comes to it was one's choice not to make choices, mm -hmm. you know, and let somebody just do it for them or whatever whatever that looks like, uh, right. you know. A lot of people just let one person run the show in the home. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> That's a thing. Yes. And also a lot of people let choices, <laughs> whoever the dominant advertiser is, mm -hmm. you know, inform what products you bring into your home. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I mean, creating a beautiful home and a sustainable home, like, <sighs> especially now when we're all at home so much more, like that's where you live and breathe. That's mm -hmm. that uh, humans are some of the only people that just no, on a regular basis are happy to bring poison into their homes. Like what, well, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> I've never heard it like that. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what wild animal, like what bird brings poison into the nest? You know, it's like, it yeah. just makes no sense at all. And if you just stop and think that for a minute, you can be like, all right, I'm going to chip away at that. Yeah. And improve this situation a little bit at a time, you know. Right. And then it'll kind of spread out from that. Right. So just like in the ways that like plastic, uh, plastics in our clothes, seep out of our laundry machines into the bigger you know into the our bigger ecosystem of water and what you know you're saying that plastic is in plants now and right we uh, end up eating it right, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And the, and the truth is, is if there's a hundred people and like three of them, you know, decided to go all natural, like we're still going to get the people who are not going all natural are still going to get the plastic in their food. It's true. You know, we, we need to be able to think about more than just ourselves here. And even like, it's a very good point and how we affect other people because we might not care if we bring plastic into our own homes or eat plastic or just bring chemicals in. Like, why, why have we like stopped caring if we do that to other people? Right. This, doesn't, this doesn't seem okay anymore. Like, it's not okay. But I can also understand that like, sometimes we don't have choices because we don't have the resources mm -hmm. to be able to make those choices. Like, because mm -hmm. we just, a lot of people are just doing the best that they can and they have to give themselves a break. I think that's absolutely. And everyone can do the best they can and make the best choices they can given the resources they have. And everyone can choose to think about these things and look for alternatives, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there are alternatives that don't cost a lot of money. Yeah. And there are alternatives that do cost a lot of money. And yeah. everybody should choose the one that's right for them. Right. Right. For them and. And for one another. For one another. Yeah, for sure. We are part of a, we are part of a society. <laughs> we are a whole. Mm -hmm. What I do affects my neighbor. Right. Definitely. And, and how we live and what we choose to surround ourselves not only affects our tangible reality, the earth, but it also affects us what's going on in the inside, being in control, in control of our spending habits, how what we view is important. And when we live out of what we feel like is important, what that does to our spirits and how it relaxes us and it makes us know who we are. Mm -hmm. It just brings us back home, like home in a more heart sense home. Right. That's such a good place to, to land. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, that is really, I mean, I would hope that I, um, that my work is a door in for some people to that. Yeah, it um, is. Whether it's through my product or through my blog or by visiting a farm or just by being aware of the things I'm aware of. Um, yeah you know and i have always appreciated that the work you do is a door in for people to that as yeah. well thank you it was so nice talking with you heidi yeah you too um we'll have to do it again yeah and, <laughs> and i love working with you too uh, yeah i know i have a business relationship with you too yeah it's exciting it's exciting to find like-minded business women and and to be able to support one another yeah so everybody let's thank you for tuning in thank you for listening You've been listening to G-Town Radio, 92.9 FM, streaming at gtownradio.com. Go to www.thekitchenseries.com. Check out Heidi's work. You're on Instagram and Facebook, too. Yes, it's yeah. the Kitchen Garden Series. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Kitchen Garden Series. Please forgive me. Yeah, um, really, really beautiful, beautiful things from a really beautiful woman beautiful spirit Heidi thank you so much for coming on the show today uh thank you so much for having me it was my pleasure yeah all right bye now bye Germantown bye
This is Germantown Community Radio at 92.9 FM and online at gtownradio.com.